Good morning, Mercy Road. How you doing this morning? I think we got everybody a seat, didn't we? Give it up for the ushers this morning. Well done. There are a few chairs open in the spit zone. If you come in late, please join us down front. Hey, I'm excited to be with you as we continue our teaching series, The Heart of God, which is also our theme for 2023 of how we're developing the heart of God within our church. That said, will you put your hands together? Welcome those who are attending live online. We're glad that you're here. We, we want to set a record at this service for most shares ever. So if you can help us share this service, even in the service live, if you turn the volume off on your phone, uh, you can share this at mercyroad.tv, Facebook Live, or YouTube Live. Uh, if you are new, welcome. We say it every week. We believe that the church today should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So wherever you're at spiritually, thank you for joining us. If you are new, we have a free gift for you out in the lobby. Come by the first step table right afterwards. I'll be out there with Pastor Nate and others. Uh, but we really believe that God is up to something special during our lifetime in transforming the state of Indiana. And this morning, we're continuing this theme for the year of developing the heart of God. If you've been with us, we talked about that God loves us and the overflow of that love causes us to love others and then didn't Pastor Nate do an phenomenal job last week, even sharing his personal story about how God has a heart for those who are lost or far from him, and that we're called as Christians to, to love people into knowing God. This week, we want to take it a step farther, that every follower of Jesus is called to a twofold mission to proclaim our faith in Jesus to those who don't know him, but also to help those who are hurting and in need. Uh, you ever had a bad day recently? Uh, I, I was, I'll tell you, uh, there was only like three of you at this service. Last service, everyone raised their hand. Uh, they, they were at 9 a.m., so they were all very tired. But, uh, you know, uh, I was reminded yesterday, actually, of a bad day. I had, yesterday, I had a phenomenal day. Kids won their sporting events. That's always fun. It's better than the alternative. In fact, uh, yesterday, the Indiana Hoosiers won a basketball game. Come on. That was exciting. Purdue fans, you're like, that's every day for us. We, we win every time. Uh, it was good for us yesterday, although Ohio State's uh, head coach, Chris Holtman, is actually a, a follower of Jesus, a man of God, and he used to be the head coach of the Butler Bulldogs. And one of the, oh, so Butler fans here, give you your moment. Okay, Butler fans in the room, the two people to my left. That's great. No, I'm a Butler fan as well, and I got to go to uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse down on the court. This is many years ago. We were doing a teaching series called March Madness, studying the final four days of Jesus' life, and during March, during all the basketball, and Dave uh, Calabro, who is also a Christian as well, who's uh, a sportscaster and the voice of the Indianapolis 500, had gotten us the opportunity for just a few minutes to interview Chris Holtman, who's now the Ohio State head coach, who was the head coach of the Butler Bulldogs. This is a true story. On a Saturday, practice is going on on the court. He's there. We have just a few minutes. We took cameras with us to go down and film this moment, to show during a church service so that we could see people come to Christ and we get there, and none of the technology works. You want to talk about a bad day? I'd never been so embarrassed of standing there uh, with, with you know, Dave Calabro and, and the head coach of the Butler Bulldogs, although I do like to watch Dave Griffiths on channel Fox 59 currently as well, as well as out there at our hospitality team. But 
Uh, That day, none of the stuff worked, and I was just devastated, embarrassed, and I just wanted to go hide. And, you know, thank goodness, uh, Dave Calabro realized, hey, God can still use this, and he doesn't need this amazing technology. He's like, let's just film this on our iPhones. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And we filmed this interview with Chris Holtman uh, right there in Hinkle Fieldhouse on our iPhones. And we had more people come to Christ at that service than all our other ones for that teaching series. And I would have missed it if uh, Dave Calabro hadn't said, hey, God's got this and he could still do something. I don't know if you've had a, a bad day recently, but I'll tell you, there are people out there having bad days all the time. And it takes somebody to actually see with the eyes of God of how you could actually still make an impact. And we often miss that it's in those moments that God is often teaching us something together. And that's at the heart of what I want to discuss. Are you ready to look at God's word together this morning? Come on now. Turn to Luke chapter 10. If you remember two weeks ago, I told you we'd be looking at Luke chapter 10 and the story of the Good Samaritan. And while we talked about the racial undertones of this passage two weeks ago, this morning I want to look at the heart of it, which is talking about how to actually help hurting people. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it starts with this. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Have you ever tested Jesus before? That never goes real well, does it? You know, the audacity of this expert of the law to test Jesus. At first, he gets good answers, but in the end, he's going to be challenged. He says, teacher or rabbi, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. The Jewish community would have known this as the Shema from Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. It was the primary thing of all the Ten Commandments that people who loved God were supposed to to live out, to love God first with everything in your being. But then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Now, he doesn't mean that you will earn your salvation by doing these good works. We'll look at that at the end. He means that if you love God, the overflow of loving God first will be loving others in your life. That the follower of Jesus loves God first, others second, and has the humility to put ourselves in the third place, which is often difficult and the antithesis of what our culture teaches us to do. What I want to argue this morning is, or share with you, is that you can't love the Lord without loving those who are hurting in our society. And as we pray, I wonder if God lays some specific people on your mind, specific situations that he's calling you to. We often think of sin in our life being the things that we did. You know, the the thing that we watched that we shouldn't have watched, the thoughts that we had that we shouldn't have had, the addictive habit or the way that we hurt somebody. We often forget those sins can also be things we omit doing, sins of omission, things that God called us to do as a follower of Jesus, but that we don't do. Do you know that in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about the end times and he says, I will separate the sheep from the goats. And the sheep are the followers who actually listened to the good shepherd and and the goats were the ones that rejected him. And he says, the sheep are the people that saw the needs of people in the community and helped them in their time of need. 
And he said, when you helped that person who was made in the image of God, it was like you were helping him, Jesus himself. That over the overflow of the love of God in our lives comes loving others, especially those who are hurting. Let's pray together. God, if we really want to love you, you've demonstrated, Jesus, that it, it, we have to prioritize loving hurting people. And I imagine there are some people in this room that are hurting. I imagine, God, there are people in our sphere of influence who are hurting. We know right now, God, that there are people who slept outside last night in the cold. That there are people that have so much emotional damage in their life and no one will listen to them and turn to them. God, we pray as followers of Jesus this morning, you might transform our way of thinking in a way that we prioritize loving you first, others second, and helping those who are hurting. We love you, Jesus. We give you this morning. We pray this in your name. And all God's family said, amen. Amen. Now, I gave an example of a bad day I had, but let's, let's be honest for just a second. Having your camera not work out correctly when interviewing the Butler basketball coach is not the pinnacle of pain and suffering in our culture, is it? Some people are really hurting. Have you ever been physically hurt before? I don't know what it is. I don't know if I was like a klutz when I was younger, but I was hurt many times. Uh, I, I got my teeth knocked out in the only varsity baseball game I ever played. It was the week before junior prom, so that was fun. I, and I got to college, and I was actually a junior in college, and I was supposed to go study overseas for the semester. And I had gone back to visit my friends in college. The semester had already begun at the Indiana school that I went to. And uh, when I got there, uh, we had decided to, to go out caving together out in the country in a small town in Indiana. We get out into the countryside, we go through the cave. It's been a long day. And at the very end of the day, I decided to kind of show off for my friends and rock climb the front of the cave, which it wasn't that high, probably went up about 20 feet. And I was free climbing and I got up over the cave, uh, the, you know, the hole where the cave entrance was and I kept climbing up. And when I was getting up to the very top, I grabbed onto the rock and tried to pull myself up, which you're not supposed to do that. And the rock broke away. And I slipped, and I was probably 15 feet in the air, and I hit my face on the, the mouth, the top of the cave, and then I fell backwards and did a free fall from about 10 feet up. And I, I landed on my side on a rock, and my ribs, when I got up later, were bleeding everywhere, and I had, this is kind of grotesque, but bear with me, there was stone stuck all over my, my rib cage. And then I had fallen backwards after hitting my ribs and hit my head on a rock and I, I was bleeding everywhere and I had rocks stuck in my scalp. And so when I came to, <laughs> luckily, even though I was 10 miles away from the nearest town or hospital, I had friends there to help me out. And they did the, the most Indiana thing you could possibly do. They loaded my uh, bleeding body up and put me in the back of a pickup truck drove me to the ER, and I spent the next hour or two with them picking rocks out of my scalp and out of my side in a very painful procedure. But when they got the bleeding to stop, they went and took an x-ray, and the x-ray came back negative for any broken bones. Now, when I was younger, you know how young people do, they call you by your last name? My last name is Hoosman, so they would call me Hoosman or Hoos sometimes. And so naturally, I went out into the lobby and in the most humble way I could, 
I flexed for all my friends and said, the unbreakable hoose is back. <laughs> the next day, I played in an intramural football game and shattered my fibia. <laughs> I was looking down at my leg, and I'm not making this up, my foot was on the side of my leg. The unbreakable hoose was not back. They again loaded me up in the pickup truck, took me back to the same ER, and they were like, weren't you here yesterday? What happened to the unbreakable hoose? I want to I tell you today, when you are really hurting, when you are really hurting, and some in our culture, some in this room are really hurting, would I have been able to get up with my foot on the side of my leg and got myself to the hospital? There would have been no way if somebody didn't help me. And I find in our culture, sometimes we look upon with judgment why people are hurting. Maybe they made bad choices. Maybe they hurt some people. Maybe they got into an addictive habit. Maybe they have some mental health issues. And we look and we say, well, that's why that happened. And so I can't make a difference or any impact. They're going to have to help themselves. And certainly there's a great book called When Helping Hurts that there are times that we need to think about the way that we are helping people. But that is not an excuse of why not to help, which is what we often do. Right now, the only way some people in our culture will get help is if you, if you're a healthy follower of Jesus, lend a helping hand. What we're talking about this morning matters. Someone with the heart of God, number one, if you are taking notes, cares for the hurting cares for the hurting. Look what happens here. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Right? He's still trying to, like, challenge Jesus and get him to see that what Jesus is saying isn't accurate. And he says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. He's on the side of the road. He's not getting up by himself. It's not, he's not going to get the help he needs unless somebody takes the time to help him. So naturally, verse 31, a priest, a man of God, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Uh, so too, a Levite, which is the 12th tribe of Israel, is the, the priestly order, but it included like the worship leaders. So, you know, like the lead pastor and the worship pastor both were walking down the road and the Levite too, it says, when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. Now, it's easy to judge, but there are good reasons perhaps that these two passed by. Had they stopped and helped this man out, it potentially could have made them unclean according to particular religious laws in the Old Testament. So they might have even confusedly thought that they were doing the right thing before God. I find sometimes even as Christians and followers of Jesus today, we see the, right, the ways that we can help hurting and broken people, but we think somehow if we help them, we're going to get dirty in the process. And I want to tell you, uh, following Jesus and helping those in need will never make you spiritually dirty. It will just make you healthier. Because it's the way that Jesus demonstrated how to live and how he challenged this man in this passage. But verse 33, there was a Samaritan. Now we read that with, you know, it doesn't seem significant. The Samaritans were the people who rejected God, did what he said not to do, and they had lived separated from God. In their culture, the Jewish community at that time often referred to them as dogs. It was a way of saying these are not good holy people. 
But it's the Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was and we saw him, he took pity on him. He actually cared. He didn't just walk by, he cared enough to stop. I wonder who in your life today that God is gonna call you to stop and what if they look, act, or believe differently than you? Last week we talked about bringing the good news to those who are lost. Absolutely, that's why we're doing what we're doing to reach a million people for Christ with the good news of Jesus Christ. By the year 2050, we believe God is doing something in our lifetime. There have now been over 28 churches that have been started through Multiply Indiana, which you all helped start. Uh, pretty soon there will be a fifth Mercy Road church, and we're starting those to spread the good news of Jesus that we talked about last week. But the second part of that, that twofold mission that every follower of Jesus is called to live on, is to help those in need and proclaim our faith. And the two always go better together than they do apart. If, if we just help people in need and we don't tell people about why we're doing it, the overflow of the love of Jesus in our life, we're just the Peace Corps. We're just the, the, the club trying to make an impact. But if, if we're just the people who proclaim faith in Jesus and tell people and teach people Jesus in the scriptures, but we don't actually live out helping hurting and broken and lost people, then we have a very shallow faith and fall far short of what Jesus called us to live. The twofold mission of every follower of Jesus, we have to care for the hurting people. That's why we're planting those churches. That's why in Anderson, Indiana, we're going to be opening up a church very soon. We had some delays due to the aftermath of COVID, but we're excited that they got a lot of inspections passed. They've begun drywalling in the last week. They, they're hoping that they'll be done in March and be able to have a service for the first time there on Easter Sunday, and then having specific Sundays leading up to the grand opening next August. So they'll only be meeting a few times in the main sanctuary leading up to the launch of that church next August. Be praying for that. We're doing that to reach more hurting and broken people. And thank you guys for sponsoring and making all of that occur. Someone with the heart of God cares for the hurting. And there are lots of people in, in Anderson, Indiana, that will get the, the whole nature of the gospel of Jesus. But number two, someone with the heart of God desires to meet the needs of the hurting. It's one thing to, to stop and to have pity, all right? And maybe you've done that before. Oh, yeah, that, somebody should really help that person. I'm going to pray for them. See you later. Right? Like, we, we have a tendency to not get our time, talents, and treasures involved. But look what happens here. The Samaritan, when he went to him and bandaged his wound, pouring oil and wine on him, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He stopped what he was doing, cared enough about the person that he actually met the needs of that person. There are so many hurting people in our culture, some who have physical needs, some who have emotional needs, some who have psychological or spiritual needs. And the follower of Jesus doesn't just stop and have pity. They actually use their time, talents, and treasures to say, how can we make an impact to help them? And, and that may sound, sound simple, but I believe it's the opposite of how most of our culture lives. In fact, I found this video on TikTok that I guess this, there are a number of these videos out there of somebody holding up a sign in a busy area, and it has two different messages on each side. The first side says, I have anxiety and depression. Will you talk with me? And then you'll see what the other side says. Let's watch this 40-second video together.
shoulder when I needed it You showed me love when I wasn't feeling it You helped me fight when I was giving in I think today you can all see why that often happens. It, we don't stop when somebody needs help, but then we're something that we can get. We can often prioritize that. The goal of this morning is not to guilt people into doing good things. That's not the goal. The goal of this morning is to understand the heart of God for you and the way that looks in the overflow of your life because he has a desire to help you when you're hurting. And it means as you instill him in your life, as you're hidden in him, as Eric said earlier, you will begin to care more for those who are hurting, broken, and lost to meet their needs. Can we get real for a second, though? There, there are people in our culture today who are so impoverished, we don't have to go overseas to find. Right here, there are people in the, the community in Indianapolis that desperately need our help. I just talked to a young man in the lobby who, because of someone here in this church who actually went down to those who were sleeping under a bridge that, that he is here this morning because someone cared enough to talk to him. Seems so insignificant, probably the most important thing we could do with our lives. Caring for others, meeting their needs matters, physical, emotional, and spiritual He's laying on the side of the road saying, will you help? We didn't just have pity. He stops, uses time, his talents, and his treasures. Here's the thing. I find that often there's one of those three that we don't want to do. Maybe you have resources financially. So the, the treasures, maybe even your talents, ability, okay, but giving up your time is your most valuable resource, and that's difficult for you. For others, maybe giving up your time or your abilities is easier, but giving up your finances, that's scary because you've been without before. So to trust God by being a generous person is difficult for you. In all of those things, I believe those who overcome and respond to the calling of Christ to actually love the hurting with our time, talents, and treasures get to see the impact in this life that we're all called to make. Now, I said you don't have to go overseas, but we also know that we do have people that are going overseas to make a spiritual impact and a physical, tangible impact. In fact, you may not realize this because of your generosity. We are helping uh, through Pastor Greg and, and uh, a ministry we've partnered with to, to plant micro churches all over the continent of Africa, helping people in need. I just got a report of all these micro churches starting in Africa because of that. In fact, many of you, we now sponsor 49 children in need in South Africa through Horizon International, which is based out of Pendleton, Indiana. In fact, this morning at the first service, I mentioned we had four kids without a sponsorship, and I was going to mention it all morning, hoping to cover those four. All four already got covered, and we got a waiting list. Uh, and so if, if you still want to help that way, we can always add, just email us, info at mercyroad.cc. It's $40 a month to sponsor a child in Africa to meet their physical needs so that they can talk to them about their faith. You see, the third and final point is that someone with the heart of God cares for the hurting, desires to meet the needs of the hurting, but has mercy on the hurting. And then we go and do likewise. Let me explain what I mean by that. Look what it says here in the passage, verse 36. And we're going to spend some time as we close out on this. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, 
the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus said the one who was a real neighbor, who actually lived the way he was calling us to live, was the person who actually stopped, not only had pity, used his time, talents, and treasures, had mercy on him. I mean, it's in the name of our church to care when somebody is hurting, to not jump to judgment, but offer mercy for them first. I don't know about you, but the older I get, sometimes the harder that is to do. I become jaded. I, I see that they created their own problems and I've got every excuse in the book why I shouldn't do anything. But the follower of Jesus will lead with mercy. In fact, it's so uh, prevalent to the calling to go and do likewise, to live with mercy. Jesus not only says it in this passage, he says it in Matthew 9, 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He also says uh, in Hosea 6, 6 in the Old Testament, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He says this, if you come and attend a worship service and sacrifice to give me your worship on the weekend, it's a good thing. I desire it, God says. It will grow your faith. If you want to follow him by reading his word, if you want to follow him by giving the first 10% of your resources and tithing him, it will grow your faith. He will use it. It's all great and wonderful things. But if you don't start with offering mercy first and not sacrifice, you're missing the whole point. You'll be a great church attender who never sees the Spirit of God actually impact hurting lives. To have mercy on those who are hurting, to prioritize the poor, the marginalized in our culture, that we might be the only hand of Christ that they ever witness. Like Micah 6, 8 in the Old Testament says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To attend church to give of your tithe and talents and treasures. It, kind of, right? Those are good things. But he says to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To prioritize the mercy for those who need it most. And this person, the Samaritan, the dog, the one that no one thought was a good person, this was the bad person who walked around along the road, stopped, went over, entered into the person's problems and met their physical needs for them. There are people right now who are never going to be able to get up and help themselves until you come along and help get them up and help get them healed. Where in your life do you see that occurring God wants you to live with mercy, not just attend a service. If there's anything the suburban American church has probably failed at, it, it might be that. You realize that uh, not only do we live in the wealthiest society in human history, we also live in Carmel, Indiana, Hamilton County, North Indianapolis, and you may not feel wealthy, but for many of us, when you compare it to around the world or what's happening in different parts of the city today, we are some of the wealthiest people in our culture. To make an impact for those who have need is the way of Jesus. But I don't know about you. If we, can we get just really real for a second? There are reasons we don't do that. <laughs> and so rather than just pointing the finger and guilting you, there are reasons I don't do that. I'm going to share mine with you. You ready? The reasons why I don't go and do likewise to show mercy to people. One, I'm busy and tired. Who's with me? I'm raising three children. 
I need some help on my own. I don't have time to go out and help other people. I have family commitments to raise those children. I have priorities, and if I'm being real honest, they're often great excuses of why I don't do the things that God may be calling me to do. Number three, I've got all kinds of specific excuses for myself. You may not know this about me, but I do not physically hear well. In fact, I am deaf in my right ear. So if you ever yelled, hey, Pastor Josh, or just Josh is fine, hey, what's going on? And I just walk by, it might be because I'm rude, it might be, but it's probably because I didn't hear you. So I got all kinds of reasons why not to enter into other people's problems. And then my favorite one, if I'm being really, really, really honest, I just don't want to. Who, who's with me? Sometimes I just, I don't want to. I got other opportunities that are more exciting. Things that sound more fun for me. You want me to come help you with your project on a Saturday? Well, I've got, you know, a show on Netflix I need to catch up on. Let's get real for a second. How many of you, if right now there was somebody you could change their life forever by offering a helping hand with your time, challenge, and treasures, but you got tickets to see the Colts in the Super Bowl, which one are you going to? The reason we often don't do what God's calling us to do, we omit helping people who are hurting, is because we got more fun opportunities on our plate. Well, let's talk about why we do go and do likewise. Here's, here's why I do when I'm actually listening to God and I follow him. Well, one, I love God. And when you love God, that love overflows into loving other people and prioritizing hurting people who are broken and lost and telling them the good news of Jesus Christ and helping meet their physical needs. And then sometimes, number two, the Holy Spirit moves. If you're new to Christianity, that's kind of, it goes like this. You used to just go about your day and do whatever you want. But now you're walking along your day at work or in school or at the grocery store or somewhere else, and God shows you an opportunity to help somebody to make an impact, and you used to not care, but all of a sudden you care. That's the Spirit of God talking to you, saying, hey, I'm asking you to get involved, to help the hurting and the broken and the lost. Why I do go and do likewise, sometimes I actually listen and follow the Spirit of God and how he's moving. Number three, I go and do likewise because I'm actually aware of the enemy's temptations. See, the enemy, the Hasatan, Satan, the adversary, the devil, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10 tells us. And his tactics is often he gets you distracted by getting into sin like pornography or lust or addictive habits, things that separate you from God because of the things that you're doing. But we often forget to see that the enemy also tempts us by giving us other opportunities rather than to do the things God is calling us to do, those sins of omission that I mentioned earlier, where he gives you a clear opportunity to impact somebody's life, and we can't prioritize it. But when you're aware of that, you can fight back spiritually and say, God, help me today. Help me to make an impact. I'm not going to let the enemy win and use his tactics of popularity, pleasure, pride, power, those temptations that Jesus himself had to resist in the wilderness. And then finally, number four, I go and do likewise because I desire to be obedient. And it's that desire that will lead to actually following God in moments where I need to. Here's the thing. This is why our outpost network exists. If you've heard that term outpost and you're newer to the church, you're always like, oh, well, I don't understand. What does that mean? Maybe you've heard of small groups before at a church, group meeting in the home that's trying to help each other spiritually. It's like that. It's a spiritual family growing in faith, hope, and love, 
but then saying, how can we make a difference out in the world that we're not just gonna take in from God, we're gonna overflow out into the community to make spiritual impact. If we grow spiritually, the natural outpouring of that is to say, we wanna go out and make an impact and we will even help you financially do that. Outposts can apply for financial grants so that they could actually go live on mission. Some of them have become their own nonprofits. Let me give you a great example of that. We have an outpost that exists right now, the Local Orphan Voice Outpost, L-O-V, love. They're making a huge impact, keeping kids out of the foster care system through the care portal. They find out about needs that a family might have, that their kids are gonna go into foster care if they can't meet these physical needs, and they come alongside that family to help them any way that they can. Spiritually, yes, but also even with tangible physical things. That even developed its own nonprofit now called The Dwelling Place that is even making a bigger impact. And this outpost slash nonprofit will be out at the outpost table in the lobby. And I got to, they invited me to go with them recently. And we got to deliver furniture to a single dad whose uh, daughter uh, recently had a child and he's taking care of his daughters and his granddaughter. And he, got, he had to get an apartment and they fully furnished the apartment for him got all this furniture donated, loaded it up in the truck. Now, I got to say, uh, that is uh, me carrying the couch there, but that, that's like the only work I've ever done. So I don't know why I get to be on the photo. Don and Emily and the team up there, they've done all the amazing uh, work. Although Brian, Kate, I don't know if you're here. Why did I have to carry the backwards part? That's what I was wondering. But, you know, uh, I want to tell you, I got to see firsthand this group that just said, hey, let's stop making excuses. Let's go and do likewise. <laughs> These are, the care portal is so simple. It tells you the needs and they just go and meet the needs. Some of you today need to go meet with them and say, how can we help you? How can we make an even greater impact in our city and beyond? They're delivering stuff to, to families in need one to two times a week sometimes. It's incredible the impact they're already having and they have a vision for so much more. But maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, God's been calling me to do something. You need to email Pastor Greg at greg at mercyroad.cc. He's the head of our adult ministry department and oversees the entire Outpost Network. He and his team will help you start an Outpost. In fact, in February, we're going to do this short series about how we're called to be creators, to make an impact, to start new things today, to impact people. And maybe God has been calling you to do something and you've been putting it on the back burner for the last 10 years of your life. It's time to stop making excuses and start going and doing likewise. Email Pastor Greg today. We will help and resource you. Finally, James chapter 1, verse 22. We'll end with this. Why do we do this? See, in, in, in James, he says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if Jesus repeatedly in the New Testament said, go and do likewise, help hurting and broken and lost people, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. When you're helping a hurting person, you're helping me. If Jesus says that, he, he means it. It goes on in verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at him goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. A Christian, what we are to look like is to go and do likewise and do what he has asked us to do, not out of a sense of guilt, it doesn't bring you salvation, remember? Because Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10 says, 
It's by faith that we've been saved, not by works, not by what we've done so no one can boast. It's, it's faith in Christ alone. But when you receive uh, salvation from Jesus, his spirit fills you up with his love to overflow into others. And somebody, we've been building higher walls and keeping all that love selfishly to ourselves. And we need to lower those things and let it overflow in the lives of other people, which is why in James chapter two, he'll go on and say, faith without deeds is dead. Not that you don't have salvation, but that if you have faith and you don't see it in your actions, then you're not really receiving the love of God in the way that it is intended. Because even the demons believe cognitively and shudder. I wonder who in your life today who's hurting, who's crying out to us that we could be the only Jesus that they would ever receive. Don't tell Jesus how much you love him if you can't love your neighbor. See, as we close out our time together, I believe that God is calling some people here in the room, not out of a sense of guilt, not because you feel bad, but out of a sense of love to remember how much he loved you. While you're still a sinner, while you still have brokenness, how he cared for you when other people didn't. That when you've received that kind of love, that you share that kind of love with other people. And there are people who desperately need that. Whether it's to help a child in Africa, whether it's to help a family locally, or whether it's to start something new that God is calling you to live on and live out, we want to invite you to respond to that and do that now. Will you pray with me? God, I pray for those in the room that you're stirring something new in them, that they would stop putting it on the back burner. If they're a follower of Jesus, they would say, I I don't only receive salvation, God, I receive this calling that you've placed in my life to help people in need, proclaim my faith, that twofold mission. And right now, God, I'm going to begin to take action on that thing. Whatever that is, maybe it's somebody hurting that God's bringing to mind right now. You're going to start doing something about it. Stop making excuses and say, God, use me. Pray that with me. God, use me to make an impact. I surrender that aspect to you, that aspect of my life. And then I imagine, God, there are people in the room right now who may be the hurting person that need a helping hand up and they feel like nobody cares. And if we forget everything else this morning, I pray that they know the depth of of your love for them. They were created in your image. They are your son or your daughter. And the way that we would put ourselves into traffic to save our son or our daughter, you, our good heavenly father, would do anything to save that son or that daughter made in your image who is hurting right now. So if that's you in the room, that you might cry out to him for his help. Pray this with me. God, this morning, I need your help. I get rid of my pride. I invite you fully in. I join with the local church and ask that you use this church community to help me in my time of need. I surrender my life to you fully. We love you, Jesus, and we give you this morning. We pray this in your name and all God's family said. 